Welcome to the Crossroad International Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us. In today's message, we will hear from Pastor Dell about what it truly means to be prosperous. Does it only mean that someone is wealthy, or does it mean something else? Please stay tuned as we discover the answers to these questions and more. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you would like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. Turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah, or you can uh, pull out the inserts that are there in your bulletin. Jeremiah 29, and uh, we'll be reading from the ESV, beginning in verse 4, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for today. God, I just ask you just uh, again to bless, uh, Father, this time together. God, I thank you just for your word uh, that is living. God, that speaks to our hearts, that changes us. Father God, I pray that uh, you just use me as a vessel today to, to speak uh, what your heart is, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So there's a story I'd like to tell you that I heard about a, uh, a young uh, investment banker who was prosperous, and he just got his new Beamer, all right? And he was driving through the mountains, and there was a, a snowstorm happening he was caught in. And so as he's making his way through the mountains... He, um, he ended up losing control. I mean, a Beamer is not really a, a vehicle you take through the snow. I know some people maybe haven't seen snow here, but it's not one of those types of vehicles you want. So, so he started to lose control of his vehicle in the mountains. And as the car began to spin out of control, it, it started to move towards the edge of the road and was about to go off into a cliff. Much like in a, an action movie, you, he was able to somehow get his seatbelt off, open the door, and, and leap from the car just as it went over the edge. Now, uh, the only thing was, and the, the bad part of it was, is that his, his arm had gotten caught in the vehicle as he was trying to pull away, and it was, it was detached. It was just ripped off. And, and so he's standing there in shock, and 
as he's looking over the edge and he looks down the, the ravine and his car is engulfed in, in flames, he's just standing there. And down the road, just a ways, there had been a truck driver who had saw in the rearview mirror this, this whole thing happen. So he had pulled over and stopped and, and he had come up now, come back to the man and to see how he was doing, to see if he could render aid. And as he walked up and he's staring down in the ravine below, he's just sitting there saying, my Beamer, my brand new Beamer is, is gone. It's, it's gone. And so the truck driver kind of scratches his head, you know, and he's like, well, I, th I think there's a bigger problem we need to deal with here. And, and he goes, your, your arm's missing, you know? It, we probably should start looking for it, and maybe if we get it, because of the cold weather, if we get it to the hospital in time, maybe they can reattach it or something. So then the man just looks down, and he looks to where his arm used to be, and he starts saying, my Rolex, my brand new Rolex is gone. <laughs> and, and so, I don't know if it's a true story or not. But how many times, and, and, and this really kind of summarizes um, kind of where, where we can get our focus at times or in our society, doesn't it? And today's message I entitled, if you saw on Facebook, it's entitled Prosperous. And we hear this word, we hear this term a lot, and I, I think sometimes, well, maybe not sometimes, maybe all the time, and especially in, in the secular world, but even in, in our culture as well, in the church, we, we lose sight of what this word actually means. And so um, I just want to take a moment and sort of unpack some things and deal with this sort of head on if that's okay with you. Is that okay? Okay, just let me know if I need to lock the door and uh, we will. So in this, in this passage that I read um, in, in Jeremiah, 29 verse 11 is a, a verse that probably many of us know. Uh, we've quoted it at different times, uh, especially from the NIV, which reads, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, again, there's really, the NIV translation, there's nothing wrong with that translation. The NIV is fine. The problem is, is it's our translation of reading that, meaning we put our modern meaning on what this word prosperous means. And as we're going to find out, I mean, it can be translated prosperous. There, there is a, but what does prosperous mean? That's really where the question is. Now, prosperity, as Merriam-Webster defines it, is the state of being successful, usually by making a lot of money. I mean, if Merriam-Webster defines it like that, why shouldn't we, right? It's, it's just, you know, it's there. It's, it's all woven throughout everything that we do and say. This idea of being prosperous and prosperity, you, you don't really see it without a bunch of gold or money, you know, it just doesn't, it's not, doesn't coincide with that. So we've, we've lost sight of what the meaning is, and we've, we've really just come to the point of limiting it to just a material definition. Now, when somebody comes up to you and asks you, hey, how are you doing today? How many people have ever said, oh, I'm, I'm prosperous? I mean, maybe there's somebody in the room that might say that. I don't know. But it's just not, it's not the first thing that come off our, our tip of our tongue, is it? And I think, you know, we need to, to see our, we can't, we have to see ourselves as prosperous. And this isn't some like energetic, get you self-help, get you going kind of talk here. I'm not saying to, to, you know, to fake it, but we really need to start understanding that we are prosperous. I don't want to get too far ahead of my message, but we have Jesus. 
I mean, I could drop the mic now and walk out the door, the message is over. What else do we need to say, right? If you have Jesus, what else do you need, right? Okay, I'm not going to preach yet. So, but this material definition of prosperity, it's not just in the world, is it? It's crept into our churches. Come on. I hope I get some amens and even some hand claps today. <laughs> and if anybody needs to make a laugh around the room, that's cool too. But no, it's crept into the churches. We hear things. We hear the, the thing about the prosperity gospel. Have you heard that? Health and wealth, all these things. And you know what? I, I'm totally trying to get off track here. But there's so much more to serving God and the God we serve than, than just money. All right? There's so much more to it. God is a loving God. There's, I mean, he's endless and he loves us. And the love of God alone is, is worth more than any amount of money could buy. The fact that we are saved. What are you saved from? We throw that word, yeah, I'm saved. What are you saved from? Well, you're saved from an eternity in hell, separated from God, burning. Right? We're saved. We're prosperous. And we need to start understanding that. Now, I don't have any problem with you having money. Okay? I'm a pastor. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't have a problem with you having money. The thing is, uh, and that's a joke. Um, yeah, I know. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, but that's why, you know, we give. But, you know, you be generous. Does money have you or do you have money? So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not preaching against you having money. God blesses people. And you know what? The people that are the wealthiest typically and the happiest are the ones that give the most. Why? Because it's just, it's just a tool that they use. It's not the end game of it all. Right? There are many wealthy Christians in the world who, if you looked at how much they gave and how much they actually lived off, it would astound you. So it's, it's not about having money. It's about does money have you. So prosperous or prosperity is derived from the word uh, salome. All right, or solemn. Now that, that's where the word, uh, the name Solomon, if you've heard of King Solomon, uh, Jerusalem, right, Jerusalem, that all those words come from this, this idea, this word of Solomon. It occurs 236 times in the Old Testament. And the, these are, whenever it's translated, these are the way that it's, these are the, the, the terms that are used to translate it. It's peace, prosperity, success, welfare, safety, state of health, deliverance, and salvation. So you see, we really shortchange it, don't we, when we just stop at the prosperous thinking it's just money. There's a whole lot more to it, and I especially like that last one of salvation. So before we can move forward, though, and before we really uh, look into this, this, this passage of Scripture in Jeremiah, I want to give you some context. Um, Jeremiah, it, this, is, this is happening during the time of uh, when the uh, the Israelites are, are gone to, they're banished to Babylon, basically. They're exiled to Babylon. And it's, it's 70 years that they're going to be in exile. 70, think about that, 70 years. Most of us are hoping just to hit 70 years these days, right? Imagine 70 years in exile, hard labor, 
All right, and, it, and it's, it's now in the Bible, there are times when the, ner the number seven is used as just a round number. You know, how many times do we forgive? 70 times seven. This is not a figurative number in this case. This is an actual 70 years from about 605 BC when Nebuchadnezzar ascends to the throne to 536 BC when Zerubbabel, let's say that together, Ready? Zerubbabel. I love that name. If we have another one, honey, that's where we're going. <laughs> to 536 BC when Zerubbabel led the first group of resettlers back to Judah, okay? So that's, that's the time period. So it's a literal 70 years. Now, some things I want us to look at here. Listen, guess what? Even the good people whose hearts weren't hardened had to go into exile because they were, they were a part of the, the people of Israel. Is that fair? <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm just going to leave that question out there, but even the good people had to go into exile. And see, here, God is speaking to the, the Israelites, to the, to the nation of Judah, all right? And they heard this promise as they're moving towards Babylon to, be, to begin their 70 years of exile. Now, again, think about the people who, you know, who are middle-aged or something at that time. Listen, they're never going to see the promise. They're not going to be around. It, there was something set in motion that God had made a judgment because of the people's hearts and where they were and how they had strayed. And they were never going to see the blessing that was to come in 70 years. And I want you to just to think about that for a minute. And here, another thing we, we really need to look at in context, is that God is speaking to a nation here, not to an individual. Okay? So, you know, before we start saying, you know, because you'll see it, it was, I actually almost got nauseous some of the stuff I was seeing and researching for this, because you go to these, these messages and, and people will preach this. Because it preaches, right? Who, what doesn't? You know, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Yeah. But again, think about that person that's headed, headed into to Babylon to be in hard labor for 70 years and, and is not going to see that promise. What are, what are they left with? Right? I'm going to give you that answer here in a little bit. But God is speaking to a nation, not an individual. And so we must be careful. One thing, the point I want to make before I move on is we have to be careful when we take, before we just start wielding scripture flippantly. Because really what it does is people take this scripture and they jam it down and cram it to fit a mold that it's not designed to fit. Why? Because it sells books and it preaches well. So we need to be careful when we take scripture from the Bible to use it the way it was intended and in context. And this scripture does bring hope and I will show you how it does that. So let's take some things from this, this whole passage from Jeremiah 29 that I read. Now, Verses 4, 7, and 14, if you have your handouts or your Bible open, look in verses 4, 7, and 14. And there's a phrase there that's very interesting that appears in all those verses. The phrase is, I sent you into exile. Now, is this Satan talking? Is it a really evil person talking? No, it's not, is it? It's God, right? Through the prophet Jeremiah, God is speaking. God has sent 
them into exile. I mean, chew on that for a minute, right? God sent them into exile. Listen, there are things in our life, there are times in our life, sometimes God is trying to teach you something. Sometimes God is trying to work out in your heart something that there's an issue or something that's taken hold. Why? Because he loves you. How many parents are in here? Has anybody, any parents in here ever had to, ever disciplined your kid? Yeah, come on. Have you disciplined your kid? Raise your hand. Yep. Whatever that looks like to you. Hopefully you didn't send them into exile for 70 years. <laughs> but you discipline them, why? Because you, because you love them, right? Because you're working things out in their heart. You're trying to bring them to a place and try to work some of those issues out where they're making bad choices and, and bad decisions. Here, the children of Israel are so far from God. I mean, think about it, that God, he, and God is a patient God, and he's sitting there trying over and over to, to turn your hearts, turn from your wicked ways, but they won't. So he's like, okay, well, this is what's gonna have to happen. You're gonna have to go 70 years into, into Babylon, and then on the other side of it, you'll see the prosperity, you'll see all the good things that I have for you. Why? Because it'll take that time to turn your hearts. And it probably took 70 years for the people that were the, the bitterest and the furthest and the stiff, most stiff neck to die off, you know? I mean, sometimes it just takes that time to turn hearts, and that's what's happening here. I sent you into exile, all right? Second thing is, is, is they're going to be there for a while. And so because they're going to be there for a while, he says, go ahead and live life. All right? Because the problem was there was false prophets at the time trying to sell books, get a podcast. And so, yeah. <laughs> and so they were, they were selling them this, this line of, you know, hey, it's, we're not going to be here long because we're, you know, we're children of Israel. God's not, it's just going to be just for a moment and God's going to come through. And this is where, you know, Jeremiah comes in. And if you read it earlier in Jeremiah, he does bash one of these prophets on top of the head. Because he's like, no, you're lying. You're not of God. And the prophet ends up dying, this false prophet. Because they're saying, no, this isn't going to happen or it's not going to be that long. But Jeremiah is saying 70 years, 70 years. And so God, what does God say? He says, build houses and live in them in verse 5. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Verse 6, get married and have children. Once they are of age, have your children marry and have more children. Verse 7, live to bring welfare to the city you are in and pray for the city because if it is doing well, then you will also do well. So God is saying, live your life. Don't, don't sit there and, and wait, thinking like the next day is going to... No, go on living. And I think this echoes really to where, where we are today, right? How we're supposed to live as Christians. We're in this world, right? But not of the world. Much like the Israelites were in Babylon. Okay? And so God is telling you, live your life. I mean, you can enjoy. There are things here that are enjoyable. But have children, multiply, and live your life. And we do have, ultimately, we have a promise of heaven, don't we? Right? Of eternity in heaven with God. Verses 8 and 9 says, do not be swayed by false teachers. Can I get amen there? I mean, it is just, and you are going to see people. I um, was listening to, uh, you know, Pastor Mark. Everybody know Pastor Mark? 
some people. Um, used to be here uh, in, in Kuwait, but he uh, had a message. I was just listening to him, but he said, you know, he was saying, we've got to get to the place, and I agree, you've got to know the word of God for yourself. Pastor Steve has said this, just was the last week, where don't trust him and I just to, we don't need to spoon feed you all the time, okay? But you need to chew on it and be able to recognize if there's a bone in there or not, okay? So it, we're coming to a place now in the world because of, I think, technology probably, you know, because you can get online and you can Google anything from scripture or, you know, a message, but you don't know where the person, their background, if they're solid. So you've got to be listening and, and knowing what's true and what's not. And the only way you're going to do that is by knowing the word of God, by spending time in the word of God and trusting the Holy Spirit to show you. If you're listening to something and it doesn't quite sound right and you get that in your spirit or just in your heart, then you need to stop and like, well, maybe I need to look at that for myself. And that's why we, you know, we post all of our notes online Again, so you can go back, so you can go through it and look at it for yourself. You know, read through for yourself. It's important. This is very important. And then verse 11, again, the main context here, or the main scripture we're looking at. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. All right? God knows the plans he has for you. What does that mean? When you're going through that trial, when you're going through that difficult time, God is stating, I know the plans I have for you. Meaning this thing you're going through right now is not a surprise to him. He knows where he's taking you to. He knows where he wants to bring you and he will see it through. All right? Now we need to cooperate with that. But a lot of times we get so focused on the situation and our problem that we miss what God is trying to do in, in our heart. Right? See, God cares more, and if we're honest with ourselves, I think a lot of times we care more about whatever the outcome is of our situation. God cares more about the outcome of what happens in your heart. He's God. <laughs> he's God. He could do anything he wants, whenever he wants, because he's God. He could spring up a money tree in your yard. Is it crazy? Yeah, but he's God. He could do it. He can do anything, right? So at any moment, he can do what he wants to do. But what is he trying to work out in you in the process? Don't miss that. Don't miss the process. Verse 12 and 13. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Again, verse 12 starts with a then. So we need to look back. Because he obviously said something before that, right? If you go back to verse 10, it says, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon. All right? Then he says all this stuff about prospering and everything else. And then he says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me, with what? All your heart. Seems like we just covered that, didn't we? Why? Because God is, he wants your heart. What does that mean? He wants you. He wants all of you. He wants you to love him. He wants you to follow him. He wants you to obey him. He doesn't, again, all this stuff on the outside is all, it's all going to be gone when it's all said and done. He wants your heart. And he wants us to seek him with, his, with all of our heart. 
If you do have your Bibles or um, uh, your phones or whatever, if you, if you have them, turn to Daniel real quick here. I just want to duck over here for a second. Daniel chapter 9. And I want you to see, because this comes at the tail end of the 70 years. I'm just going to read just a little bit here. And I want you to see if you... Now, again, they were taken into... They were sent into captivity into Babylon because they were just... They were rebellious. They were stiff-necked. They were not living like they should. Now, listen to Daniel. Verse 2, it says, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Okay? So now we're at the end of this. Now listen, listen to what he says. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and have done, and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. Now he goes on a rant like this for like the rest of the, the whole entire chapter of how horrible they are, okay? It's safe to say Daniel recognized who he was and the wickedness of his people and was, had a repentant heart, right? And then in verse 18 of chapter 9, it says, Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because, our, because of our righteousness, but because you are great, because of your great mercy. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. Oh, my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. There is a change of heart from what we saw 70 years prior. And God had gotten to the root of what he wanted. So how do we apply this scripture now to our lives? We can have a future hope. We will experience eternal life and a full restoration will be experienced in the fullest sense. All right, we have an eternal hope of glory. All right, that's what the word of God promises. And we have to keep our focus on that. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to experience uh, things on this earth that are good. God will bless you. But we won't see the fullest, the fullness of it come until we reach eternity. Amen? I mean, if... If heaven didn't offer that, what's, what's the point, right? If we could experience it here on earth, all right? Now, so as I said earlier, remember how I said prosperous or prosperity comes from that word uh, salam, all right? Salam. Remember all the things I listed out? Remember this? Peace, right? Prosperity, success, welfare, state of health, safety, deliverance, salvation, you know, it hit me like a ton of bricks, and I'm going to share with you so, so you can experience it too. Who has all that? Jesus. Jesus. Peace, right? Ephesians 2, 13 through 14 says, But now in Christ Jesus you were once, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, 
and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. For he himself is our peace. Prosperity, Colossians 1, 15 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, say all things, have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. All right, you're looking for prosperity? There you go. Success, John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If you're looking for success, then you need to be plugged into Jesus because you will bear much fruit. What does that mean? That's spiritual, yes, but you will do better on your job. Why? Because you're following Christ. Who better to lead like Jesus, right? So we follow Jesus and we're better people all around. We experience success. Welfare and safety. Sure, I've got one for that too. Psalm 46, one through three. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid Though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with its turmoil, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. State of health, Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Jesus. Jesus. Say Jesus. This is Jesus. Deliverance, 2 Samuel 22.2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. And finally, salvation. Acts 4.11-12. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people, and we must be saved by it. You ever play a card game and there's that trump card? You don't need to know all these answers. You know why? Trump, Jesus. <laughs> right? I need to experience success. You know, I work, I'm struggling. Jesus. I got to pay the bills. That's Jesus. Right? I'm struggling. Illness in my body. Jesus. Jesus. Gonna get like a gospel church up in here, right? It's Jesus. That's like the best quiz to have, right? Pick C every time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We are prosperous because we have Jesus. We're prosperous because we have Jesus. Not everything is reserved for heaven. Like I said, we can experience things like. Spiritual blessings like reconciliation, forgiveness, peace with God, fellowship in the church and love, fruit of the spirit, answers to prayer and joy in worship. I didn't sleep last night hardly at all. You know why? Because I was excited to see all of you today. Yeah, I'm just, that's sappy. No, I'm serious. I was literally excited to come to church today. I love to see you guys. I love to see you. And I, I see it with all of you, too, when you come into the room and you're looking for everybody. Why? Because we have this fellowship. We care about each other. We love each other. And you experience all these things. Why? Because as we sing, Jesus is at the center of it. And it all comes back to Jesus. 
Again, to view prosperity with only financial wealth in mind is like eating a piece of cake. Okay? I know Steve likes cake. Michelle makes cake. Do you even like cake? Yeah. Does anybody like cake? I know I just took a hard left, but I'm going to bring it home in a second. Listen, <laughs> I laugh at myself when I think about this because it's just funny. Um, so imagine eating this bite. Everybody pretend you're holding a nice piece of cake, whatever kind it is, chocolate, red velvet, something, okay? You just take this big bite. It's just perfect, you know, just moist. It falls apart. Just everything. Flavors are all. And imagine Michelle make that cake for you, okay? All right? But she makes amazing cakes. And then imagine, like, I took a bite of this cake, and I was just like, oh, my goodness. And then I looked at Michelle. Michelle, the, the vegetable oil in this tastes amazing. I have never tasted oil like that in my entire life. Or, wow, what kind of flour is in this? This is incredible. Do we ever say that? No, because it's all those things together that give us that beautiful piece of cake. You can keep that one for free. <laughs> I should probably wrap up now, but. Folks, listen, again, we're prosperous. And I, it's my prayer and my heart that you walk out of this room today. Not, again, you can go get these self-help books and just, you know, get in the mirror every morning and tell yourself that you're good enough, you're smart enough, and darn it, you're people like you or something, right? I'm not talking about that. You need to get in the mirror and you need to see Jesus because you have Jesus and you are prosperous, all right? And he's leading you to what he has for you, the plan and the purpose that he's laid out before your life. Nothing is a surprise to him. He loves you and cares about you. And I'll close with this scripture from Hebrews 13, verse 14. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Keep your eyes on heaven and to your eternal home, all right? Keep your eyes to heaven. And I'm not, I'm not saying you have to, you know, like the old songs, you know, I'll fly away. And I, I like those songs, don't get me wrong. But it's not about just, just you kind of lock yourself in the house and turn the lights off and shut the door and just wait for, you know, heaven to come. No, we are heaven to this world. We carry Christ in us, right? We're to be a light to the world. We're both supposed to be the salt of the earth. All right? So we walk and we do what we're supposed to do. We do what we're called to do, regardless of what happens, to trust God that he's in control and to know at the end of it all, we will be face-to-face -face with Jesus in eternity. And the one thing we want to hear is, well done, you good and faithful servant. Come in. All right? Let's stand. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, God, that 
you have, you, everything is in you. You created everything. All things were made through you and by you. God, all that we look for and need and desire is in you. And God, let us just find a way to stop today. Whether it's later today or through this week, Father God, I pray that each of us takes a moment and just in our quiet time with you, just stops and reflects on just how your hand has brought us here to this place in our life. God, how you have provided and you've led and you've, God, you've just been there over and over and time and time again, even when we didn't realize it, even when we didn't know that you were there. Because, God, that you love us and that you care for us. God, I pray that we truly see ourselves as prosperous today, not by the world's definition, Lord God, but by the definition of the Bible, because we have Christ, we are truly prosperous. Thank you, Lord, for this church for this body of believers, Father, that you continue, Lord, to just uh, bless them, to lead us on. God, let us be a light, Lord, to, to this city, to this country, Father God, into the world. Let us be a reflection of who you are, Father, to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.